Let's take a look at Psalm 66, if we could, this morning, and uh, let's look over at the uh, 12th verse. There's some uh, loose ends that I want to tie up on our small series that we've done called Your Wealthy Place. We've discovered that your wealthy place is found only in Him. That when we are in Christ Jesus, and as we seek Him first, as He becomes our gold, and as He becomes our silver, then we have full confidence that life is going to be great because of His presence in our life. Amen? And so we don't have time to to recap the whole series, but there's some things I believe the Holy Spirit wants to say to us this morning. So in Psalm 66, verse 12, it says that we've been through some difficult times. We've been through fire. We've been through water. But God has brought us into what kind of a place? Brought us into a place of rich fulfillment. The word wealth there in the Hebrew is is a term which means a place of saturation. I'm telling you, when he's saturating your life, it doesn't get any better than that. Amen? They may think it's good down there at the Olkin Coliseum right now, the Niners and the Raiders and all of the things that they're partaking of, but they're wrong. It gets much, much better than that. His name is J-E-S-U-S. Amen. And, of course, we know that he did more than make a touchdown or win the Super Bowl. He's the heavyweight champion of the world, rose from the dead on that third day for you and for me that we might have eternal life. Let's give the Lord a shout today. We've discovered that that we are on his mind, that he has been mindful of us. What a privilege and what a blessing. And he wants to get his vision on the inside of us. We found out that one way that he does that is the entrance of his word gives light. Where there's been darkness in our life, thank God that our eyes are enlightened and flooded with light. When his word enters into the heart of a man or a woman. Another way that he gets his vision into us is thank God for the third person of the Godhead. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Guest, who came down to bless us and to comfort us and to help us and to strengthen us. Woo! I want to shout today. He's your standby. He's your intercessor. He's your comforter. He is the third person of the Godhead. Amen. So look quickly over John 16, verse 13 through 15 in the Amplified Version. You have him on the inside. The Bible says he will not speak of his own message or his own authority, but he will tell you whatever he hears. So he gets his direction from the Father. Um, He will give you the message that has been given to him. I believe the Lord wants to give many of you a message in this day and in this hour in which we live. That has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come. He will show you the things that are to happen in the future. You've got a guide on the inside. He knows the future better than you know the past. Amen? So commune with him. Take him by the hand. Let him talk to you. 
Be still on your bed and know that your God is God and gain insight into the plan of God for your life. Amen. Look at verse 14 and 15. Verse 14 says, He honors and glorifies me. That's Jesus speaking. Because he will take of, receive and draw upon what is mine and will reveal, disclose, declare. And I like this. He's going to transmit it to you. Amen? Now read verse 15 with me, please. Everything that the Father has is mine. That is what I meant when I said that he, the Spirit, will take the things that are mine and he will reveal, declare, disclose, and transmit it to me. That's what he's doing right now. There's Holy Ghost transmission in this place. Hallelujah! You know, Jesus needed that in his walk with God and in his earthly ministry. There came a day where Philip said to him, Lord, you know, show us the Father and we'll, we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, Philip, have I been not so long time with you? Doubt, don't you know this? That he that has seen me has, has seen the Father. Because it is the Father that is in me. He's the one that's doing the works. Now, Jesus had such awesome communion with the Father... And he was so filled with the Holy Spirit that he never did anything independently from what he saw his father do. Woo! Oh, what would life be if we would be like that? We got to hear it first. We got to see the father doing it. Then we can step into the fullness of the plan of God. Amen? Now, I want to take a look at John chapter 5 real quickly, if you would, and Let's take a look there, and then there's something else I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to impart to you. But I believe that He would have us to see some things today. Say, may I have the spirit of seeing? And the spirit of knowing. Jesus did these works totally dependent upon the Father. He said, I always do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now there was a day that a man got healed by God's power and the religious people were very upset about it. And we find in John 5 and verse 16, and therefore did the Jews persecute the Lord and they sought to slay him because he had done this thing on the Sabbath day. They weren't really interested in the man being healed. They were more interested in the law. They were legalists. They knew about the power, but they denied the power. And then it goes on to say, And Jesus answered, My Father worketh hitherto, and so I work. In other words, what my Father does, I do. Amen. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he had not only broken the Sabbath day, but he also said that God was his Father, and, and, uh, uh, and that he considered himself to be equal with God. I mean, that really graded him. Now notice what Jesus said. Verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say to you. Read the rest with me. He saw it. And then he did it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can hear from Him. You can see Him do it. 
and then you can do it. Look at verse 20. It says, For the Father loves the Son and showeth him all things that himself does, and he will show him greater things than these that you may marvel. And the works that I do, Jesus said, you shall do also, and greater works. It's going to cause the world to marvel. It's going to cause the world to bend their knee and to recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ. When incurables are cured by the power of God, when the blind see and the lame walk and the dead are raised. Woo! Come on, somebody. The world is going to marvel and they're going to know that there is a God that is alive in the earth today. Let's lift our hands and thank him that he's alive. Hallelujah. And so you and I, we should be seeing things all the time. I mean, if we're really connected with him, we should be able to see. Amen. I said last week, if you can behold it, you can become it. If you can see it, you can be it. God's given you that ability to see and to know. Look at verse 30. I think we ought to get happy about this. Let's read verse 30. Ready? Let's go ahead. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Everyone put your hand over your heart right now and say, Heavenly Father, my heart's desire in my life is not to be seen of men, Not to exalt myself. Not to to do my own will. will. But my desire desire is to do the will will. of him that sent me. me. I will do do. all things for your glory. And with uplifted hands, I give you glory ahead of time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, the will of God. The will of God is being set in motion. Hallelujah. Now, I want to I share something that's really important today with you as we take this into the last level of our series on your wealthy place. I want you to look at Acts chapter 17 quickly, if you would, please. Acts, the 17th chapter. I'm in my wealthy place because I am in his place. I didn't place myself any more than you place yourself in this wealthy place. He has predetermined from before the foundation of the world your boundaries and where you should be. In Acts 17, 26, it is so clear. The Bible says that he has made from one common origin, one source, one blood, all nations of men to settle on the face of the earth. Having definitely determined their allotted periods of time and their fixed boundaries of their habitation, their settlements, their lands, and their abodes. Very interesting. Did you know that you have a God 
ordained place where you fit and where you flourish. You have a God-ordained place. It's a fixed boundary. It's where God would have you to settle. It's your, if you will, your place of rich fulfillment. You see, you and I were not born just at any time. We were born when we were born for a purpose. I was born 11-5-1950. I was born for a purpose. None of you are an accident. If you've not yet found your wealthy place, I'm here to announce and declare to you today that today is the day for you to enter in to your wealthy place, to your place of rich fulfillment. I believe that our places and our times are predetermined. Now, the, the, one of the words and the definitions for the word place is a location or a spot. It also means a condition. A location, a spot, or a condition. And so there is a location and a condition in God where you fit. And where you will excel. And where you will increase and you will prosper. How many of you really believe that? It is not just by chance that you're here this morning. You're here, I believe, by divine appointment. You are here today because God has brought you here. You have been born into this world because he has you here. You've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. We're living in the last of the last days. He always saves the best for the last. And you're still breathing. You're still walking. You're still moving. Hallelujah. In this day and in this hour. I love what Ephesians says. Let me just quote it for you because I don't want to choke you with too much word. But what he says is this. Is that you must take paths which I prepared ahead of time for you. And that if you will do that, and you will live in that and walk in that, you will live the good life that I have prearranged for you to live. Wealthy place. Now, the best illustration that I can think of and that I can see in the Word of God, is an example for you and I to follow. The Bible tells us to follow in His footsteps. Whose footsteps? He's talking about following in the footsteps of faithful Abraham. And so let's take, for the balance of this time today, let's take a look at Abraham's life, and let's see how God dealt with him. And in that, we'll see oftentimes how He deals with us. You ready? So go back to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. He's bringing you out. Hallelujah. Now listen. Attached to the blessing is a place called blessing. In Genesis 12 verse 1. 
Now the Lord God had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Notice with me that it required a step of faith for Abram to take before he could see exactly where he was supposed to go. And that God, that's how God deals with people many, many times. Verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation. It does not say anything about Abram. You will make of yourself a great nation. I will make of you a great nation. Dear brothers and sisters, when God makes you, whoo, what you ought to be, because you're closely connected to the vine and you're closely connected to his plan and his will. I'm telling you, when God makes you, when God promotes you, when God does it, man, it makes all the difference in the world. He said, I'm going to make of thee a great nation. And he said, you won't have to bless yourself. But I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Amen. Well, literally this is saying, yes, Abram, I am blessing you. But now you will take this blessing in this blessing place that I will show you. And then I will cause you to be a dispenser of blessing to others. My prayer for my life is just to be a blessing. I want to be a blessing to you. My prayer for this church is that we be a blessing. My prayer for your life is that you wouldn't be so saturated in yourself and you get saturated with the Spirit and say, Lord, you've blessed me and I will be a dispenser of blessing to others. Amen? And so we track through the story of Abraham. He went out. God showed him exactly where he was supposed to go. But then there came a test. You will find that in your wealthy place and in your place of blessing, there will always be a test. And there are simply a couple kind of tests in the Bible. The test that comes from beneath, and that's hellish. And we don't want to play top that test testimony service. Because we've all been through some fiery tests. But thank God we made it through to the other side. But then there is another test. Look with me at Genesis 22. Genesis, the 22nd chapter. And notice with me in verse 1 of Genesis 22. And it came to pass that after these things that God did test or tempt Abraham... And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Listen, when God tests you, it's never a test to bring you down. It is a test to prove you. When God tests me and God tests you, it is a solicitation for you and I to be proved obedient. It's the test of obedience. And the tests of obedience, if they are passed, they will always bring us an opportunity to increase in the things of God. The question I have for you this morning, have you ever been tested by God? Have you ever been tested to obey the Lord? Will he stretch you? 
Will He give you opportunity? Will He challenge you? Yes and yes and yes and amen, He will. But all the while that He's doing that, He knows that you're made out of the right stuff. He knows that on the inside of you, he's placed someone called the power of the Holy Spirit that will enable you to obey and to come into that greater place that he's got for you. You know, God believes the best of every one of us. Sometimes we don't believe the best of one another. And that's a violation of the law of love, and that's another message. But God sees the best. He believes the best of each and every one of us on the inside. So this test is to prove you. You know, when you go out and test an automobile that you're going to buy, what are you doing? You want to prove it. You want to see that everything that they say on those advertisements is true. When a teacher tests the student... That teacher's been putting their best into those students, and they believe the best if they're not sitting over there in the dunce corner, or if they're not asleep. The test is brought to prove that they're learning something. Now notice with me in verse 2, and he said, take now thy son, thy only son. How many sons did the father have? He said, take your only son whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains that I will tell thee of. In other words, you've got to step out and then I'm going to show you. And then in verse 3, and Abraham rose up early in the morning without delay. Amen. And saddled his ass and two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering. And rose up and went to the place, everyone say the place, the place of which God had told him. Is there a place for Abraham to go? Is there a place for me to go? Is there a place for you to go? Look at your neighbor and say, we're going someplace. Then now, notice this, on the third day... Abraham lifted up his eyes, and what did he see? He saw the place afar off. Now, here's what I've learned. I've learned this as a result of of being a Christian for many years. And this is not to condemn, this is to lift. But I've discovered this, that many people want spirituality on their terms. They want what we would call like a spiritual cafeteria plan. I want to pick and, you know, I want to to choose what parts and what portions that are right for me. But Christianity is never on our terms. Am I preaching to the right group today? Christianity is on his terms. Abraham didn't say, well, I don't see why I need to go over there. I can just do it over here. No, Abraham obeyed. Verse 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and will come again to you. Is that a man of faith, or is that a man of faith? He said, look, 
we are going to go over here and we're going to worship and we're going to come back to you. Listen, the father of faith is who is obeying the Lord to his fullest said, look, by the grace of God and by the faith of God, we are going to come back. Listen, Abraham was solely, so fully convinced because he was the friend of God that God, if he had to, would raise Isaac up from the dead. He was in covenant with God. And he said, you know what? We're going to go and we're going to come back. And God is going to be pleased. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. And he laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac said to Abraham, my father, my father, hear my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Perfectly legitimate question. A perfectly legitimate question. And in verse 8, whoo, glory, this is shouting material right here. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide himself a lamb. Was not Jesus the Lamb of God slain from before the foundation of the world? Did not God have a covenant with Abraham and Abram have a covenant with God? And Abraham in the midst of the test said what you and I should be saying. Isaac said, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where's the lamb? And Abraham spoke up and said, God will provide. And sometimes you get to the end of the month and you've already run out of money. Come on now, what should you say? Sometimes there's no food in the cupboards on Thanksgiving and it looks desolate and it looks dark. But what, 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 what should you say? There's times you might get a bad report from the doctor, but what is your testimony? You don't have enough money to pay tuition to send your kids to school or to college. What is your confession? God will provide. He always has. He always will. That's why I never worry about mortgage payments. I never worry because I found a verse of Scripture. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed out begging for bread. I can put my head on a pillow every night in spite of darkness, in spite of bills. And I can say confidently, my God will provide. He provided 30 years ago. He provided 20 years ago. He provided 10 years ago. He provided yesterday. He'll provide today. Our God does not change. But if I wasn't in my place where I fit and where I flourish, there would be no provision. 
And you can confess till you're blue in the face and pray in tongues 24 hours a day. But if you're not in place, come on. If you're not in place, you've got to get in place for those glorious things to come to pass. I think I'm preaching all right now. Verse 8, and Abraham said, my God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And they went both of them together. And they came to the place. Notice this word place is being said over and over again, which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, I'm right here. And he said, don't lay your hand upon the lad. Don't do him any harm, for I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. God knew that he would carry out what he told him to do. And because Abraham didn't withhold his son, because we're in covenant, hallelujah, God did not withhold his only son. Now notice, verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Where do you think that ram was at about five in the morning? I believe that when Abraham rose up, that lamb woke up. When Abraham headed out and God said, go over here, I believe that ram said, go, the Lord said, go right. Go left. Climb that mountain, ram. And then the, lamb, the ram got hungry and started chewing on something in a thicket and got stuck. That lamb, ram, that ram, God said, Abraham, look, there it is. There it is. Is your provision. How many of you know nothing takes the Lord by surprise? Now, notice, here's what I want you to see. Verse 14, read it with me. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord. It shall be seen. Now, I want you to look at that in the New King James Version. This is so awesome. This is so good. Read it with me. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. Stop right there. We sing about, we shout about Jehovah Jireh. That's one of his names. But literally, the name of the place was the Lord will provide. If he hadn't been in the place, there would be no Jehovah Jireh. As it is said this day, in the mount of the Lord, say it with me, it shall be provided. Now think about the word provision. Everyone say pro. Vision. The word pro means before and vision means seeing. So what this is saying about your life and my life is this is that he sees before we ever have the need. He sees the need before we realize we even 
have a need. And then he sets what we need in motion. I I say is right now, he's setting some things in motion for you. He's setting some things in motion for 2015 for you. He sees things you, you don't quite see, but he's got your back. He's got your front. He's your God. He's your provider. And he is setting some divine connections, divine intersections for you in the here and the now. Everyone shout, thank God. He is my provider. So what are the factors here? The factors are the leading of God is connected to the provision of God. And that obedience is not only to what, but also to where. And that there is a supernatural provision for Abraham because he was in the right place at the right time doing the right thing with the right heart. And I want to talk to you just for a few moments before we receive communion. I've been speaking 33 minutes and 22 seconds. And this message could go on and on and on. But it doesn't need to go on and on and on. Because you're quick and you're bright and you're sharp and you're getting it. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm getting it. Say to me, I'm getting something today. So here, here's, the, here's the question. Here's the question. Here's what I want you to ask yourself this week. Here's what I want you to pray about. Here's would be your take home, your homework. And that is this. What place is God commanding me to go? Not geographically necessarily, but in my attitudes. What place is God commanding me to go in my relationships? What place is God commanding me to go in my faithfulness to Him? The local church and all these other things. What place is He commanding me to go in my spiritual walk with Him? It's so easy to get out of place. It's so easy to be hot one day and the next day kind of lukewarm. Then you put your Bible aside, put prayer aside, and you get worldly, and the spirit of the world gets a hold of you, and you get cold and dead and stinky. And I'm not talking about world people. I'm talking about church people. Smile, everybody. I didn't point any fingers. You see, if you're out of place spiritually, pick your Bible up again. Pray up again. Fire up. Shout up. Dance up. Run up. Open up your mouth. Declare the praises of God. I've made some commitments, but I've, I've let some commitments go. I've gotten out of place. It's time to get that right. Again, it's time to get that back in the right place. Because when you're in the right place, that's the blessing place. That's the wealthy place. That's the God place. But there's a lot of things I intended to do, but I've never done it. It's not too late. It's not too late. Get off the sidelines. And get back in to the plan of God with the grace gifts that he's given you. 
and honor him with your life. Are you getting this today? To enjoy our wealthy place, our heart has got to be in the right place. Our heart's got to be right. I can't afford bitterness toward you. You can't afford unforgiveness toward me. You can't afford the least bit of a grudge toward a brother or a sister, in-law or even an outlaw. Come on. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> See, I think that's a good song for some of the chosen frozen. Let it go. <laughs> I didn't know that was coming, but that'll fit right here. Let go of bitterness. Let go of unforgiveness. And then, this is something I've got to watch constantly. And I, and I have what I call communion commitments, where I have several communion cups at home. I keep them right by my bed. And sometimes, you know, this... This attitude, i got to do a checkup from the neck up. And, and wrong attitudes could be displayed to my, my wife, my kids, you know, whatever and whoever. Just, just kind of a bummer, a raunchy attitude. You ever had one of those? That's what you call out of bounds and out of place. But you can get back into the right place. Come on now. The right place is a place where you're sweet, where you're loving. Everyone say yes with him. (laughs) Thank you for that, brother. Attitudes. It's just a waste of time. It really, it's a waste of energy. It's just blowing off a bunch of steam. It's just, it ain't worth it. And then what about walking by faith? You know, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. We're to take the shield of faith, quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. We're to move mountains with our faith. We're to take the shield of faith. Faith is the victory that overcometh the world. Faith, 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 faith! But the reality of it, sometimes we get out of place with our faith and we slip into fear. I know it's happened to me and it probably has happened to you. See, fear will never produce anything of blessing in your life. It'll tear you down, it'll torment you, it'll bum you out. But you can get out of fear. You can get out of fear. I mean, this week... You know, I had a whole day where I was just bombarded in my soul and in my, in my mind with some stuff. And it's like fear tried to grip me and I yielded to it. But before I went to bed, I said, Lord, forgive me. I repent. I know better than that. I know you've been faithful to me all these years. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. I rebuke you, 
fear, get out of here. So I got out of that place back into the faith place. Because the faith place is a place of blessing. And it's a wealthy place. The strife place is a place of confusion. But the love place is a place where you will never fail. And so when we talk about our wealthy place, we're not necessarily talking about money. We're talking about a condition. And I believe that during communion commitment today, if there's any adjustments that need to be made, we can make them. And we can move forward in this month smiling at the month of December with faith and victory in our hearts. And everybody shouted, Amen.